Gone are the days where choosing a beer without the alcohol meant foregoing genuine choice in the process. Countless macro businesses now offer 0.5% or 00 iterations of well-known brands. And with January already halfway behind us, numerous independents have also thrown their hats into the ring with a fascinating array of low and no pales, lagers, sours and stouts. New beers that complement the burgeoning number of beverages already available to consumers. Consumers that want a great beer just with less or none of the alcohol. For today's guests, who started their brewing journey back in the first COVID lockdown, no and low is their raison d'etre. And if ongoing demand is anything to go by, they're showing that the appetite for quality beers without the alcohol is only growing and growing. Hello and welcome to the Brewer's Journal podcast. My name is Tim Sheehan, editor of the Brewer's Journal. A successful crowdfunder, brewing 36 beers and exports to the Nordics, Australia and the USA to name but a few, coupled with 700% growth between 2021 and 2022, it's not been a bad few years for the team at Mashgang. Of course, that's come with a lot of hard work along the way. But in doing so, they've showed that you can produce exciting beers that taste great, look the part, and also further broaden people's understanding of what low and no alcohol beers can really be. In this episode, we speak to Jordan Charles, the leader and brewer at Mashgang, about challenging consumer perceptions of no-low beverages, its debut supermarket beer launch, working with breweries and businesses of all kinds, and the group's desire for continuous improvement. If you've been into a Morrison's store in recent weeks, you may have encountered self-titled, a 0.5% American Pale Ale collaboration with Northern Monk. It's Mashgang's first major supermarket listing. Or perhaps you might not have. Such as the demand for the beer, consumers have partaken in the very British tradition of driving up and down the country in search of this elusive nectar. And in launching that maiden supermarket beer, Jordan was aware of striking a balance. Yeah, I, I actually was really surprised with people's reaction to it. Obviously, even a few years ago in craft beer, that a supermarket listing was seen to be the end of your craft beer journey. So not at the beginning. And I often get confused when people talk about making sure that brewing is more inclusive and then rationalizing that that pushes out supermarkets. And I do understand, I'm, I love bottle shops, right? So they're one of the best things about going to any town or city is the bottle shop. And my first experience of a bottle shop was Bottle and Jug in Worthing, which is where I lived. And Tom would, you go in and say, what am I having? And he'd curate these things for you. And that's the experience you get. But I think supermarkets are somewhat utilitarian and I think excluding craft beer from that, you could take it to an almost insane degree and say, well, hang on, you're not going to the butchers to get your meat and you're not going to the greengrocers to get your veg. Then, you know, what are you going to the supermarket for? Utility, utilitarian things. And sometimes you don't want to think about a beer very much. You just want something 
a consumable item and i designed this beer to be a consumable item and you can see like the reviews are really over the place where people are arguing it's like not hoppy enough it's not aggressive enough it's not bitter enough and then i think they're missing the point that there's not a lot of nuance in craft beer sometimes the lager's a bit thin would you want a thick lager that sounds awful like, like you know it, uh anyway you know it, it it's it's there's, there's a lot of that in, in any kind any kind of niche special interest that happens. But in I, I think the challenge of making, and I, I've said it before, but I think the challenge of making a supermarket beer is like the equivalent of writing a pop song versus writing like a metal song. You know, both of them you need a technical edge for. But I would arguably say after years and years of playing metal guitar that sitting down to try and write a song that everyone likes is very hard. And while Jordan would obviously like the beer in the hands of everyone that wants it, he says he's also been pleasantly surprised by the reaction to the listing. I didn't realise how excited people would be. And I also didn't understand how poorly prepared we would be for the reaction to it because people who like us were just going into the supermarket and just taking this, the whole case off the shelf and just leaving with it. <laughs> and that was it. And then getting a message saying, I've just driven to Swindon or Ipswich, Norwich, and there isn't anywhere. When does it come on the shelf? And then I'm having to ask like Morrison's like, when's it going? They're like, that's gone. That's sold out. When does it come? Does it come back? And they're like, no, that was it. That was the store allocation. And it's only the 10th of January. So it's quite surprising. I, 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 this is a when it's gone, it's gone listing. So it goes on and then when it sells out, it's, it's gone forever. So it's our first crack at the supermarket. Consumer acceptance of no and low alcohol beers has come a long way in recent years. The choice is greater than ever, as are the stars available to the discerning punter. But Jordan also feels that there is some way to go for these beers to command the respect they deserve. Yeah, normally, normally I go liar. Like, I would rather have a cup of tea at the bar. It's like, no, you wouldn't. You'd rather not go, right? Okay? Like, you'd rather not go. And it, it's like, because you don't. Because you don't, right? <laughs> because you don't. You, you never, you've never got, I, and I, I, I like, I'm quite combative about stuff. And I, and I think, although, like, I think that people think I'm a real arsehole about it. And I'm, I'm genuinely, it's kind of like when someone comes in and it's like, here's my opinion on something that you didn't ask for. How do you feel about it? And it's like, well, I'll tell you, but I don't think you want to hear the answer. And it's, it's, you know, I think that's a fair thing to do. But when someone kind of minimizes what you do, which happens a lot, you know, I got asked a lot, when am I going to make a real beer? And I, you know, especially when I get asked by brewers, yeah, are you sure? Because you know, we're doing pretty well with one hand time behind my back. Do you want to do it? And I, and I said, yeah. And I, I was exhausted. And someone, I think it was an indie man, someone was like, when are you going to make a proper beer? And I went, yeah, exactly what the world needs. Another 5% hazy IPA. And I was like following the guy and like, maybe we could put Citra in it. What do you think about that? Maybe we could have Mosaic. Mm, you know, it's going to be so exciting. I can't wait. You know, should we use London 3? Yeah, it's going to be great. Soft water profile. So good. Can't wait for another one of those. And uh, yeah, I, I, 
and yeah, you get this reputation for being a real dick about stuff. But I've, I, I've, if you kind of know me, that's my sense of humor. I just think it's funny because if you go and look in my fridge, it's full of like Striding Edge and Beak, and it's exactly those beers that I kind of make fun out. I love those, you know, like, and I think that 2.8 to sort of 3.5 session hazy beer is my favorite. But I will make fun of it because it is a meme, isn't it? Like so many of us, Jordan appreciates a wealth of beer styles and the brewing expertise used to produce these. But from speaking to his peers, he asks if No and Low is one of the last great challenges for a brewer. I, I think, like, certainly brewers are now, the, the sea changes, brewers are now fascinated by it. And when I, I was with Pete Vick, who's at Garden, and he was like, we were literally, this is such a strange scenario. We're in Croatia and I'm with Mark from Impossible and Pete Vick and sitting there and Pete's like, it feels like at the moment it's Nolo is the last challenge available to a lot of craft brewers that have kind of done everything from mixed fermentation to American stars of Britain, a lot of challenging things, you know. And I said, the problem is with, with a, a brewer, you want to constantly challenge yourself and do new and exciting things but one of those problems is a lot of the time the customer at large really doesn't want them right and i think that if you left if you look my entire like there's all of this these are just jars of mixed firm stuff that's going on and that's what i want to make but people really don't want it like it's a novelty you know and it's a niche within a niche but with low alcohol beers in general, it offers a challenge to the brewer. It's, I get asked frequently, like, how can you get the control of doing it? And it's like, my brother, man, you, if you say, do you say that you shoot for a 5% beer, maybe you get six or eight or three? No, I know what it's going to be. Well, it's the same. So it's kind of, it's no different. It's where you're always hitting a target. So, I think it is one of the last challenges at the moment. I think that other things come out of the woodwork that are exciting to work on, but a lot of everything's been done before. And now you have this new frontier of try. I'm not a big fan of trying to recreate something, but there is an innate challenge. Maybe you can recreate Pilsner or Quell yourself on your kit, but can you do a Nolo Pilsner or Quell on your kit? The challenge of doing something like that, I think is it's appealing to a lot of brewers more and more. Mashgang have brewed beers from lagers and pails to sours and stouts. These have been produced at a range of breweries across the UK and beyond. For Jordan, working with the right brewing partner has been invaluable, as has brewing alongside brewers that are used to producing beers at the stronger end of the spectrum. I don't really work with other low alcohol companies. And the reason for that is I, I don't see a value for either of us in it. You're already doing it. You're already doing well. I like to go into a business that traditionally does a lot of high ABV stuff and show them how what we're doing is really just the inverse of that. And I take a big amount of a large amount of pride in doing that in in kind of helping them understand what we're doing is kind of inverse to like the imperialization of a beer and we're just doing the reverse. So whatever works up works down and then we take a great amount of pleasure in working on things that are traditionally very, very high ABV and making a lower version of them. 
and and also it's like having a just having a good relationship with the people that are there whether it's like matt at vocation brian adam russ and luca at northern monk um steven at vault city like all of all of those guys that we have a pretty symbiotic relationship and the, the daves at fierce obviously we produce there so you know they're kind of they're, they're kind of more like adopted family than than kind of vendors or industry contacts if you will and it's kind of like it's kind of like that but uh in general this year i don't really want to work with breweries anymore we've done like a lot of that there's only one that i really want to do which is pastor and i've made that quite clear um but aside from that i'd like to start working with other brands like i really like to work with minor figures the oat milk company and do something like that um and then like restaurants or kind of chefs and we a lot of us are frustrated culinarians and kind of have a culinary approach to doing things so i think that would really suit us to do something kind of more food based and i think that's where we kind of want to go with it and always looking at the next step the next project and ways to improve is in the mash gang dna so yeah planning is like a big part of what we do we run our like we run like our business through like a japanese model of like production called kaizen which is like continuous improvement and innovations and slow but sustained growth so if you might notice we didn't start off with loads of venture capital we don't do like adverts we don't do any to say we don't do marketing would be a lie but we don't spend any marketing money directly on adver advertising sponsoring we don't do influencers we don't do free samples we don't do sampling or anything like that we invest our money that would be for marketing into research and development and you can say like some things are a bit novel or attention grabbing but we've we've de-risked them from the process by using the money that you would use to kind of post an instagram ad that says get 10 percent off your first pack and do it that way and also that's kind of how we want to you know that's how we want to grow the business and i think that we wanted to spend the first two years working on a solid foundation where you build up trust with consumers that you always deliver a high quality product and that you are always relentlessly innovating and you're never satisfied with what you do so one recipe just doesn't stay the same and i quite a lot i get resistance saying that because we contract brew that you could never have a good eye on the quality there you're handing it off and i just think that that's completely not true <laughs> you know it could be true if you were going to start like a factory industrial thing but i have a close relationship with everyone that we produce with and if you're telling me that brian and adam from northern monk and you know that um you know they from fierce don't have a close eye on quality you're crazy they're obsessed and it's our baby, but it's been incubated in their womb. As an eponymously titled Phantom Brewery, Mashgang Brew and Collab on beers at a number of brewing partners. And disproving the myth that contract brewing means the quality of their beer is at risk is a particular point of passion for Jordan and his team. So I, I counter it and I say, you know, I understand that you want control over your whole process. So when you're growing your hops, right, how do you deal with growing citra in the UK? Well, we don't grow our hops. Okay, okay. Well, well, yeah, actually, you know what? That's that's right. That's right. So you just import the hops. But the grain you're growing, yeah? No, no, we don't. But you're at least malting your own barley, right? Right? 
and it and it, it's like where where the line stops where you say it stops right so you say that you're completely in control of your process but are you do you have a standard operating procedure do you have a quality total quality management system do you work under iso 9001 2008 oh you don't well we do so when I, when so when it comes to assuring quality we're using preventative actions not corrective ones and that means in the last 80 batches that we've produced we've rejected three also our yields are about 30 percent higher than most breweries yields so we're working on things like that and that is all to do with a total quality management system and it's because the most boring parts of my background is I worked in like cosmetics, pharmaceutical and stuff like that. And the yields and the quality processes that are in brewing would not be accepted in say things like cosmetics or aerospace or even grocery. So we try and apply those things. While Jordan is the brewer and public leader of Mash Gang, he is part of a wider team that has grown since the outfit started out back in 2020. So when we when we started, it was realistically, it was sort of just me and James. And now James is one of our full time employees. He started last month and he is our CEO and handles broadly looking after everything that's very important in terms as, as well as what I would say in view of the horizon strategy. So everything that we can see. Not a full time employee, but with us the same amount of time as Mike and he's um, what I would call like over the horizon strategy and very broad strategy. He brings in all the data from the company and he puts it together in such a way that we can forecast what we're doing, but also forecasting trend. And he's deeply into the psychology of people, you know, and he's like he's smart enough that he's oft quoted in the New York Times and stuff like that. But for me, he was the bass guitarist in my band and I, we've been friends since like school. So or most of the people in the, the we went to school together. Ben doesn't formally work much in the business anymore, but when he's not doing that, he's out on John's tour photographer. But during COVID, when we started, he's still very much involved in we should make this let's do this i've seen this let's go this this is an opportunity but he sort of doesn't formally work because he's always on the road touring now but ben's general job when when we first started was to stop us making stupid decisions like he's like really diligent at going through the repercussions of making a decision on something and i'd be like we need to do this and he'd be like what's the risk and He's so risk adverse that he kept, he probably kept the business from making a falter. Uh, then there's Alex, who's our head of sales. He's James's younger brother, and he spends most of his time working B two B. So with bottle shops and that, our major focus is always small pack to independent bottle shops. They make up 70% of our business. And we made a decision very early on that our minimum order for those bottle shops is 12. And we will send, you know, because that's where we want to be and that's where we want to go ourselves. After that, it's kind of bars, wholesalers, and then grocery. D2C is quite a small part. Then we, we have Roger, who's a, a CFO. Um, and he is has the unenviable job 
of forensically looking at what we're spending and what we should be making. But we're really lucky that he's a frustrated home brewer. So when when he's looking at bills for for incognito and spectrum and going, Jesus Christ, a thousand pounds a litre. Yeah, a pound, a pound a milliliter, you know, you know, we're really, really lean. And there's me and I, I'm CPO, so I like to say what's in the can, what's on the can. And it's what's in and on the can that has propelled Mashgang to be one of the UK's leading names in the world of no and low alcohol beers. The market for such beers continues to grow, but Jordan and the team know that craft beer without the alcohol isn't for everyone. But that's also okay, because as Garrett Oliver of Brooklyn Brewery once told us, liking everything is called having no taste. It's going to sound dismissive, but it's it's not my job to convince people what they like, right? And it's it's I think it's kind of exhausting to want to be liked by everyone, okay? And it's okay um, to be a one-trick pony and it be a really good trick, but... I think that not everyone can be, I, I, I break down every product into two things and it's either utilitarian or it's experiential. Okay. So a good utilitarian thing is where you buy like a American apparel t-shirt that doesn't have any branding and you like it because it does a thing and it stops you being nudity. Uh, uh, like Heinz ketchup's utilitarian. Like, you know exactly what it's going to do. And broadly, a very small point of, like, the world doesn't like, yeah, Heinz ketchup isn't their preference, you know. So an and experiential is everything that gives you pause to be excited about it, but it's very much in a niche. So, and I, and I think that what we do is a niche within a niche, like, oh, like premium craft, NOLO is kind of a niche within a niche. And if everyone doesn't like it, if only a certain subset, I would say that that says more for it that's positive than not. I actually, you know, a guy came up to me at Hop City. It was like, I, I can't really be bothered to try an alcohol-free beer because I don't like them. So convince me. And I went, why? I'm not a sale. I'm not a salesman. Like it's that I, I would say it's as cringe as it is. If you go on Untapped and go and look at the reviews for beers. Like there is nothing that we make that doesn't have a pretty outstanding. And those guys are brutal and they're mean spirited. And they're, they, they, some people, they say that they dock two stars for no alcohol, right? Weird, right? But then they're still giving us three. So it's like, so that's a five out of five beer. Okay. You know, but I, I genuinely think that quality shines through everything and it's a long journey to get to the point and if you're willing to miss out on it because you want to make this bizarre standpoint that's either about your hyper masculinity i'm not drinking something that doesn't have alcohol in it because there is no point to that then you have the same argument of I say then, why bother drinking craft beer at all why don't you just open a bottle of vodka and actually vodka gram for gram is more expensive than Xanax. If you're looking for just, why don't you just eat a bar of Xanax and just lie down on the sofa, you know, and black out, you know, and it's like, oh, you're just saying that because you don't drink and that. It's like, but my friends do. And I like, I like session beers and stuff like that, but I genuinely don't drink alcohol for its effect. Alcohol is the byproduct of the beer for me. And that's not to say I don't like trying beers. What was the name of the field recordings beer that was at the Congress? 
how do you feel about that beer? How do you think I feel about it? Like, honestly, it's one of the best beers I've ever had. What even is it? I don't even, I don't know. Well, it's, it's, whatever it says it is, is a lie. It's like a bizarre blend of styles, but it is something that is truly exciting, right? And it won people's attention, especially brewers' attentions for a reason, because of what it did. And I think that surprising experience of you bloody liar, that isn't that at all, that's something else, you know, and you think, God, it's blown me away. That's the experience that if people don't get that from what we're doing, doesn't matter. You don't have to be liked by everyone, it's fine. In fact, the best things aren't liked by everyone. And I always think if people have a strong opinion of what you're doing, it's better than indifference. So if you don't want to try it, don't. That's cool. The Brewer's Journal is a production of Reby Media, produced and hosted by Tim Sheehan. Sound engineering by Ross McPherson. Series supervision by John Young. The executive producer is Rory Harris. Special thanks to Jordan Charles of Mashgang.